Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 141, Real Witness in a Raging Culture. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from our worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Jesse Fury, my main man, is here with me. We are finally back. We we took a little while off here, man. We a little hiatus. One of our friends, uh, shout out Brian B. Hall, uh, said, "Hey, where, where are you guys at?" It's been since, <laughs> he, he said, "It's been since March 9th. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm like, he's 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 yeah. He I probably love, listens to the second yeah, they come. I out. said, Brian, that's encouraging, man. Yeah. And so uh, we have been away for about a month. Jesse had an anniversary. I did twentieth, twentieth, and and when Jesse said, "Hey, can uh, we reschedule or can I miss the podcast recording for my twentieth anniversary?" I said, "No, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? You can record. You can yeah. zoom in. Yeah, like what? <laughs> tell Jenny. No, we took off for that, and I intended to do this little episode mm. here by myself. But my my life, I, I've overbooked my life, Jesse, and I'm right in the midst of the starting line of a, an overbook. So for the next two months." Uh, we're going to try to get these podcasts mm. in, but we got a lot going on that we're grateful for. But this is, uh, Jesse, a really, really important season, I'd say, for the Gospel Underground podcast because of where we're headed. But before that, we get to that. I always forget it's with, uh, with my uh, soundboard here, which one is the review ish now, but I, you got it. I really have something I want to share. It's a bit of a confession almost, Jesse. Um, it's something that I, I probably have to have some repentance involved with this confession. But for years, I made fun of some friends who were like, hey, look at my meat I cooked on my pellet grill. And I was mm. like, oh, you're cooking on rabbit turds. Oh, good for you, you sawdust mm. outdoor oven guy. And so because you were like a purist that only yeah. used chunks yeah, of the, wood. I, yeah, you learn I to start you. a real yeah. fire. You learn how to use coals mm. and wood chunks yeah, to get they're rubbing, flavor. Yeah. rubbing wood together. And it's a yeah. lot of work. And so <laughs> uh, to, to connect this to a little bit of a story, my brother got given a pellet. He was was given a pellet grill, really nice one actually, from a company called Rectech, R-E-C-T-E-Q. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, and, and my brother's a competition guy. He's been on barbecue teams. He got fifth in the world in poor shoulder, you know, in Memphis in May. And he's like, bro, this thing, it, it slays, man. This The food is good. It's easy. I love it. They, it's a little different than some of the other pellets out there. Um, now they'll go up to 700 degrees because they got cast iron deflectors and all this stuff. So, man... Long story short, I got a Rectech. Now, I've not gotten rid of my charcoal cabinet smokers because I'm still going to do that because, you know, I want to remain, keep my man barbecue car <laughs> intact. But I got this Rectech, Jesse, and I tell you what, it's, I feel like cheating. It is, I'm on the Rectech website right it, now. It is so good. And a Rectech, some people said, should I get a Traeger? They're the best. Well, Traeger's a brand. I don't suggest people get Traegers because they little backstory on this, Jesse, like Traeger is the company that moved from wood pellet stoves that people used to heat their homes to inventing. They actually invented kind of the uh, controlled pellet grills. I forget what year, but so they had a patent on it forever, mm. the technology. And then obviously that went away. And now there's so many uh, pellet grill brands out there. Traeger's still good. It's like buying a an Apple or something. You know, it's a great brand. Everybody represents it. They're not made with the best materials. And I think they're overpriced. Uh, but Rectech, Jesse, man, everything's stainless steel. It's made to last. Their, their PID controller for, for controlling five degrees at a time temperature. Uh, they can go up to 700 degrees. The food off these things tastes great. Mm. So I'm actually reviewishing 
erect tech pellet grill and there's all kinds there's low ends and high ends their high ends called a bfg it's a big something grill um it's way too much money, way too big for me. But um, yeah, Rectech, Jesse. You're going to end I, up with that grill one day. Uh, some, I know you are. Someday I'm going to have the BFG <laughs> and my wife's going to look you at me. You are going to buy she's, every one. She, she's going to look at me like yeah. I'm crazy. So, yeah. Uh, But yeah, I'm recommending it. Jesse, you ought to get one. <laughs> Listen, I'm 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 all in. I need to sell my Weber gas grill. Oh, well, yep. yeah. yeah I mean, yes, you do. I'm going to sell it. As a it. friend, that I, I say support for selling the gas so grill. So I'm selling it. If anybody wants to hit me up and needs a new home, I'm buying a Rectech. Oh. Uh, Awesome. Yes, yes, you're getting a Rectech. And so, hey, their mail order comes direct to you. Probably come on a pallet. Wonderful thing to do with your wife. <laughs> Put together grills. I've done that with my wife because she's better at putting things together. And if you're not wanting to be influenced by us and saying get a Rectech, Grilla Grills is another family-owned company. Ships direct to consumer good quality components. Uh, Green Mountain Grills, those are also going to save you mm. a lot of money compared to Traeger's. Well, Jesse... Now that we got that important topic out of the way, mm. hey, we're coming out of a series here uh, called Respect in a Raging Culture, and we avoided the word winsome because we didn't want to be accused of being like wimpy people like a or, yeah, or something like that. Uh, but we wanted to look at the bi- the biblical command for us to have Christ in our hearts as Lord, to give a reason for the hope that we have, and to do this right with gentleness and respect. Kindness is not a sin. A respect for people, it's a biblical command. And we saw that, hey, the image of God in people, we should not be trying to destroy people or own people. We want to be able to engage with them effectively. That requires listening. And in our last episode, as far as it's up to you, live at peace with all people. It's not always possible, but we cannot capitulate and lack courage in relationship to biblical truths, right? And certainly we don't want to be jerks for Jesus. And that's not a good club to belong to. In fact, I got an example. A uh, good friend of mine, we go way, way back. I named Garrett Kell. Garrett's a pastor up in Northern Virginia at, I think, Delray Baptist Church. I think I'm going to do his men's retreat in September, Jesse. But Garrett tweeted this. Garrett's kind of a tweeter guy. Can I he, come with you? Can I maybe, carry your bag? Maybe. Okay, yeah, yeah. Keep be, going. Let's, Garrett, let's do it. Let's be fun. We could do some panels or something. Yeah. Um, Garrett is a Twitter guy. Like he shows these funny little videos and he's got like thousands, tens of thousands of followers or something. Well, in the first week of April, Garrett tweets what I didn't think was super controversial. And he got straight lit up literally by two different teams. And here's Mm -hmm. what he said. He said, if a trans person like anyone else is not welcome to your church to seek God, I'm not sure how your church could be pleasing to God. I read that and I think, yeah, that's what we want. And then the second thing, if a trans person like anyone else is affirmed in their sin by your church, I'm not sure how your church could be pleasing to God. Now, Garrett, you know you're meddling with this tweet, and boy, he he asked for the smoke. And you say, don't read the comments. I read the comments. He got that smoke, Jesse, from, from people that said, how could you call something sin? And from people who said he was being weak on sin Mm -hmm. by welcoming a human being who wanted maybe to hear the gospel. Jesse, this is the world we are trying to live in. Why? We want respect in a raging culture. Why? The word we're using today, and this is in this quick, quick, quick episode, the word we're using today is witness. Mm. We want to have a real witness to other people in a raging culture. And I do think you have to be respectful 
in order to actually love people and engage with them about very important things. I mean, I, I, sh- I shared with some students at Wake Forest University Tuesday night, Jesse, I stayed afterward for an hour and a half with people, some that were not at all Christians, some that were just asking questions and engaging respectfully. And, and my prayer was, Lord, let me be clear to not uh, water down the gospel that saves, but yet let me respect these people, right? And I think we get a hearing when we can do that. So why respect in a raging culture? Well, we're entering a new series, which I think will take us through most of the summer, probably into the fall, depending on our schedule, about having a real witness. We want to thoughtfully engage people with the gospel in our cultural moment. And to do so, we have to have a certain posture in place with people. Now, Jesse, um, what are you thinking these days on uh, where we're trying to stand are we just trying to be third wayers or fifth wayers? What do, what do you think? Man? Yeah, I mean, I'm, we, we, we mentioned this in a previous podcast that there's um, there's a lot to be said for thinking about the shift in the way the culture looks at us, right? Yeah. As, as Orthodox Christians, uh, where, you know, 100 years ago, maybe it's positive. Everything, yeah. you know. Hey, we're, it's good to be a know, church we're, guy. We're too or moral or, yeah. you know, it's a good influence to a neutral world, which is kind of the world we grew up in yeah. where... You know, it's it's kind of in the borderlands yeah. between good and bad, you yeah. know, depending on who you talk to and yeah. what you're talking about. So now, you know, more negative um, religion poisons, poisons everything yeah. kind of where ideas. we're yeah. Im- immoral, yeah. not too moral. Yeah. So I do think that 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 sort of um, if you if you agree with that view, which I think I do, yeah. that, that that's kind of the trend, then um, it, it does mean that it's it's going to be more attractive to go on either end, right? To be yeah. on either end of Garrett Kell's tweet. Yeah. Either fight everybody all the time to stay faithful, yeah. the courage move, right? Yeah. Or just be nice to everybody so to the point where you become unfaithful yeah. because it's unpopular to be orthodox. And I, uh, I do Christian. think, yeah, and I do think that um, there's a danger in 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 pursuing a third way-ism or a third way yeah. as if that alone is the good way, right? Yeah, you, right. You, give, you can't always be a third way. Sometimes that's it's right. just there's there's that's right. That's there's right. objective truth and reality, yeah. and it's, you know, a, it's Athanasius against the world, right? That yeah, yeah. Last time in our that's last right. podcast, or Martin Luther, here I stand, right? It can do no other. So I, so I hesitate to yeah. I hesitate to say that there needs you know that it's sort of good or bad to be in a third way or to be winsome. Exactly, or something. It's I think like it's, it's too wooden. Yeah. Well, let's. We're trying to be even more uh, sophisticated in Ooh. that, Jesse. We're not just a third way between the church and the culture. We're trying to have a third way between two ways in the church. That's right. <laughs> and to be honest, I I find personally that I'm able to be may, way more effective in cult, witnessing to people in culture because we're not just engaging the culture. That's just not the pur- purpose. Mm-hmm. We want to be a real witness to people in culture which is much different. And I find staying out of the kind of Christian thought wars is much, uh, much purer, much cleaner way to go. We're actually working with real folks that are far from God who need to have the gospel. They need to have repentance and faith. They're perishing. They're separated from God under God's right, good wrath and need salvation. Right. And so let's be out there in them streets. And in fact, that's what God would want us to do. These are some simple things that you and I being in a campus ministry kind of were, were maybe not John 20, 21, but certainly Acts 1, 8, Matthew 28, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit's come mm. upon you, and you will be my witnesses, right? Uh, in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the, other, to the ends of the earth. In Matthew 28, Jesus came to them. This is Jesus' friends after the resurrection. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. To me, Jesse, that gives us great boldness, right? Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. God's in charge. Go, therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? We go making disciples, baptizing them. This is what we do. And teach them to observe everything I've commanded to you. And behold, here's the re, the reassertion of the important truths to us. So we don't have to be scared, right? And behold, I'm with you mm. always, uh, even till the end of the age. That Jesus is with us always. He commands us to go and to teach what he taught, not made up stuff or not cultural capitulation or just to go with the flow, to be nice, but yet as we do so, we want to care about people and respectful to people so that we can have a chance for real witness. Now, there are great commissionings or God giving us a job to do as his followers in the Gospels, right? Every Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the canonical Gospels, the Gospels in the New Testament canon, the Gospels in the Bible, right, have great commissionings. They're slightly different in each of the Gospels, and one that's a little bit underutilized, uh, Jesse, and I'll ask you to read it for us, is a simple one in John chapter 20, uh, which I think is really, really important for us to understand our posture and place in the world. Yeah, John twenty twenty one. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. All right, and then so doesn't he breathe the, the he, Holy Spirit? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Receive the Holy Spirit. Re- yeah. Receive the Holy Spirit. So you have Spirit. a triune sending there. Anyway, go ahead. You do. You you have the 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 followers of Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit, um, and Jesus said to them, "Be all fired up, crusty, and angry all the time." Well, he says, "Peace be with mm. you." Right. This is very important. We have peace with God, right? That's important to remember. We have peace with one another. He wants the peace of God, which will guard our hearts and mind, to be with us, right? Peace be with you. And then he says, just as, this is like, just as the Father has sent me, right, even so I am sending you. So we have to understand that we are sent in the way of Jesus or in the way the Father sent Jesus. And if you look at the life of Jesus, we won't have to get overly complicated. He, he came as a sacrificial servant, right? He came not for the healthy, but for the sick. Uh, he came to save sinners, right? He came to love people. He loved people, right? He came to uh, seek and save that which is lost. And so when we look at it, Jesse, I think sometimes we forget that the, the compassion of Jesus and the conviction and courage and boldness of Jesus are not at odds with one another. Um, we see this in the life of Christians throughout the ages, that in order to want someone to come to taste and see that the Lord is good, you have to care about them. Um, or you treat them like some sort of project, which is, I think is rude and disrespectful in itself. We have to care about them, and we have to have convictions so that we know and understand and have right a gospel message uh, that was uh, the message of Jesus that's conveyed from the uh, Jesus to the apostles to us. So um, I give, I've given us three C's to revisit some of my old preacher world life, uh, compassion, conviction, and then ca- capability. We mm. might even say capacity there. I'd say that in order to be real witnesses, Jesse, in, in any cultural moment, really, but in ours, right, we need to have compassion on people, we need to have conviction about the gospel, and we need to have power, capability, mm. 
uh, to do what Jesus says we could do. Now, compassion I see in the life of Jesus himself. This is something, Jesse, you could read for us out of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Mm, Matthew nine thirty six through 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to, the, to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord for the, of the har- harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. All right. Jesse, when I'll be on the road with a church doing a, a training in evangelism or sharing the gospel with people, I always ask this question because I have to ask it to myself, mm. and the answer's not always the same. Uh, this word compassion, like I have to ask, do I have actual compassion for people or do I have conceptual compassion for people? Mm. What do you think I mean when I say real compassion versus conceptual compassion? What do you think the distinction yeah, is there? Yeah, that's interesting. You know, when I would think think of real compassion, I would be like, this is represented by an actual person who um, I feel something toward that yeah. I, I want good for, that yeah. I'm you know, sad when they're hurting and, you know, and and conceptual compassion would be maybe compassion that never leaves my brain. Yeah. Well, I guess I should care about those folks, you know, like, like when the book of, um, I think it's Ephesians says that, uh, without hope, without God in the world, or as Jesus says here, harassed and helpless. Mm -hmm. When you look at human beings apart from God, uh, do we care? Um, and I don't, and I, guys, listen to me. I've been to some things where people just shame you about like, you should care. The whole world's perishing. You don't care. And then you get this guilt trip and you try to work up the courage to talk to somebody at work or something like that about, about God. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to get at Jesse. Um, I think that comes from conceptual compassion to be honest. Well, I should care, but I don't. Mm-hmm. And then I feel bad. Right. What I'm pleading for is us to actually get to know human beings and to and, and care yeah, about them, yeah. to, to see them. Now, the, this phrase in our culture is used a lot, I see you. And usually what that means from, depending on who says it, it means I affirm everything you do and yeah. everything about you. That's not what we mean. When I say, hey, we want to see people, we want to know them, know their plight, Not they may not even be conscious of that but to know that they're separated from God and in need of a Savior, in need of a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, who will love them and bring them home to a heavenly kingdom, we should care and have compassion. Mm. You know, that that this idea here of, of having compassion as, as Jesus does and did and modeled, yeah. I think is so important because kind of circling back around to the, the third way, which I don't think is a, it's not a strategy. Right. Um, but it does fit sometimes, and sometimes it fits because, man, I have no, I just, I struggle so much with Christians, public Christians, who who don't seem to um, even have a category for being like Jesus. Yeah. You yeah. know, like there, there's there's a sense in which that's not something that would even cross. It doesn't seem like this is something that crosses the mind, their mind yeah. that that I should try to imitate Jesus and be like him. Yeah, uh, in the way that they're engaging with the crowds around them. And I think the imitation of Christ is a key part of our discipleship yeah. as Paul, you know, outlines multiple places, including Ephesians five one. Yeah. And so I, I really think that we've, we want to have compassion. And even if that makes what, you know, what, what we're going to get to with conviction, we're going to say things that are going to confront. That's right. 
But right. we, you know, our our love for our neighbors, we should see them and love them like Jesus did. That's right. That's right. A friend of mine, Jesse, I mentioned this before we podcasted, texted me when we were beginning the last series, and he was worried that I was going weak or something, and I was going to do some like weak winsomeness thing, be nice to everybody. I was like, man, I'm going to come headbutt you because you know me. I like, look. <laughs> he could put you in an arm bar. I'm just saying, hey, we should respect human beings and be kind, right? I mean, I, you teach your kids that. I teach my kids that, right? But there is this aspect mm. when 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 people boil down the gospel to this, just be nice, right? Um, there's something huge lost, right? And so this is uh, out of one of my, you know, a couple couple chapters in the New Testament that I love, 2 Corinthians 4 and 2 mm. Corinthians 5. Mm. Um, I love these two chapters. I think they bring a lot of clarity to what we're trying to do in the world. But this is in chapter 5, kind of midway. It says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord... Like obviously, this is a category throughout the Bible: the fear of the Lord, to be in, to have respect for God as God, to be in awe of Him, mm. to not play. Right? We know the fear of God because of that. We we persuade others, right? But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that we may be able able to answer those who boast about the outward appearance and not what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. And here he says, the love of Christ controls us. This sometimes is translated, compels us. Because we have concluded this, and we have to believe this conviction, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live, no longer for themselves, live for themselves, but for him, for whose sake they died and was raised. And so we have the love of Christ pushing us, controlling us in this world, right? Because we know Christ died for sinners, right? And that we don't live for ourselves, and we want to try to persuade others to repent of sin, turn and trust Jesus the Messiah, live under his authority and kingship, uh, be saved now and forevermore. If you don't believe that, if you don't fear God, you will never share with someone else that they need to repent of sin, turn from a certain way of living into living in a way of Christ. Yeah, and I think I think what you're getting at there is is so helpful with the fact that the gospel is necessarily confronting. That's right. And so when we sort of try to soft soften it and in sort of uh, I don't know sand over the, yeah. the I'm nice, you're nice. Oh great, yeah, Jesus we're fine. is nice. Jesus, yeah, you come to yeah. church. Yeah. We 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 can we can dull the edge. The gospel has an edge to it, yeah. right? The gospel is is both, uh, and it confronts both privately. Like yeah. you are a sinner in need of God's yeah. grace. You That's you right. are an enemy of God. It's only That's by right. God's grace that you can be yes. made new. But it's also a public. There's an edge publicly. The gospel is a kind of public truth, right? We we live in a in a time that is uh, there is a battle between the creeds of the enlightenment and and modernity and where we live and you know post, and post and post modernity yeah. there and uh and the creeds and the stories of the gospel and that's this right. that you cannot get bring these two together and be like hey they work they that's fit right. together that's right and so we have to have conviction well th- there's this crazy idea in the in the bible that every knee will bow and every tongue confess mm. that Jesus Christ is lord curios high king uh, to the glory of God the Father. And so this bowing a knee, man, that's not like, hey, do everything your way. This is like, 
we're bowing before a sovereign, uh, the one who is the rightful king. And now here's the beauty. We're not bowing to the dictators and autocrats and monarchs and potentates of this present age. The one that we should bow and need allegiance mm. to is the suffering servant king who loved us and gave himself for us and who is now risen from the dead, ruling and reigning, and is with us always till the end of the year and has our back and gives us power to stand in the wind, so to speak, Jesse, with both compassion mm. and conviction. And I think to stand in the wind with compassion for people, conviction about the gospel, um, requires a certain level of wisdom that's spiritual and power that comes from the third person of the triune mm. God, the Spirit of God in us. I love uh, the book of Colossians, Jesse. There's so much in in that little book, but this is in the latter part of that book where I've just called this capability, uh, spiritual power, wisdom, skill in order to share the gospel well. Uh, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open a door to us for the word to declare, proclaim something, the mystery of Christ on on account of which I am in prison that I might make it clear which is I how I ought to speak. And then he continues, walk in wisdom hmm. toward outsiders, people outside of the faith, outside of covenant, making the best use of our time. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each person. So Jesse, in this series coming up, hmm. this is really what we're after, right? We want wise witness. We want spiritual power. We want to develop some skill in how we speak to others about the gospel that's driven by compassion, undergirded by biblical conviction, and we have the power from God, capability to have real witness in this rage, raging culture. And so we've got a few goals. Jess, you want to share a few the goals we yeah, have for this man, series I, coming up? I love this series because it feels like this is right in your wheelhouse. It's not that far. It's not outside of mine either. This is the but the gospel you, underground. Yeah, this is the gospel underground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The goals for this series, we want to be practically helpful. So not just trafficking in like high level kind of philosophy and theory, but practically helpful. We want to provide some tools and training for the real world on the ground use. And man, we want to catalyze some mission in the borderlands. Amen. Amen. Those are our goals, guys. And so I'll just give you a little two, you know, 30, 30 second, two minute preview of where we're heading for the next seven or so episodes. There was a, a time, Jesse, when I was church planting and pastoring in New Jersey, and I got asked by a pastor from New York City. He said, Hey, we're doing a retreat. I'd like for you to come. We were we were doing fairly well in engaging people in our context and seeing people come to faith in Christ. And uh this pastor uh, Freddie T was his name. Some of you guys may know Freddie T. Fre Freddie said, hey, man, we're doing a retreat in Pennsylvania for our church. Would you come do some training on apologetics and cultural engagement, these kinds of things? And I was really struggling to think, wow, that's a broad category. You got a couple talks with a group of people you want to do well. And so I was writing down the things I thought and prayerfully wanted to share. And I was hoping it would come together with some like cool preacher design, like share, like sharing helpful, awesome, really evangelistic <laughs> ideas or something, you know, something goofy like yeah, that. I think what you yeah. came up with is way yeah. better. And so when I wrote them down, I was just goofing around on a, you know, like a little mole. It was on a notepad, a legal pad, actually. 
And I wrote down the things I wanted to share and circled the first letter and it read the word out. The word was Asseldar. <laughs> and so everybody <laughs> makes fun of me for this, Jesse. Uh, and I said, hey, man, it sounds a little bit like Rivendell or, or Asgard or something cool, right? Asseldar. Uh, the realms we go to thoughtfully engage well, see darkness uh, defeated and people <laughs> saved or something. And so it's a little device that we'll use over the next se- seven episodes. Here are the letters. If you're not in your car or running or something, listen to this. You can scribble this down. It's ASS. You got to get the L quick, Jesse. Uh, D A R. The first time I ever did this on the whiteboard, I was teaching you it progressively. Too long after and I wrote, I wrote A among live your life amongst people who need to know the Lord, right? Non Christians, and then S share your life with them really transparently, and then and then S share the gospel, right? We're the gospel people, and I just kind of left it there for a while, and and so I had the word but written on the word, but mm. it didn't say but, and so I I know now if I whiteboard this, I get the L up quick. Listen, we did part one of listen already, right? To respect a person, you have to listen to them. Yeah. Here we're going to talk about listening part two. How do we effectively share the gospel with that person by listening well to them? Hmm. Uh, fifth, disrupt the D and Asseldar. Used to be deconstruct, but that word has been captivated by all kinds of nonsense now, Jesse. So we're using the word disrupt. That we want to help a non-Christian person maybe uh, disrupt what they already currently mm. believe or what they're trusting in so they'd be open to hear something different, something new. Number six, give answers to people's actual questions. And then the R in Asseldar, uh, repeat, I say rinse and repeat, live steady state life with people respectfully, posture in place as servants for the sake of sharing Jesus with them. So guys, that's where we're headed. We're heading to uh, Asseldar, Asseldar. T- together. Um <laughs> <laughs> and 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 to be quite honest, Jesse, um, this is going to be free for everyone. Yeah. You know, I've, I've done this for the last seven years around the country at various churches, bringing them in for conferences and seminars. We're open to do that for your church, but you get it here for free. We're going to open up the cookie jar and give away the goods, Jesse, because here at the Gospel Underground and with the Bonhoeffer House, we want to be a yeah. dialogue taking place in the borderlands with real people in real cultural settings who have real needs and we want to have compassion, conviction, and share Jesus with them. That's what we're all about here on the podcast. Review us on iTunes, five stars, acceptables. Any questions you have, text me, hit me up if you know me. If you don't, info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue, Jesse, taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace. Peace. Thanks, guys. <laughs>